in the studio again. Stan, you were gone fishing last week. I hope everyone enjoyed the show that we taped. Uh, did you have a blast? Yeah, it was a blast. I got to fish with a very knowledgeable gentleman, Steve Panaz from the area, and uh, it was a blast on the links. I chipped one in on the final hole. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yeah, so that was the first time in three years I've actually golfed, so that was fun, too. Wow, that is fun. When I started golfing this year on one of the first par threes, the first first day I swung a club, because um, I don't go anywhere in the winter to play or anything like that. I'm a fair-weather golfer. I only play in nice weather. I only play in the summer, um, and I don't travel to go play golf anymore, either, but... There was a par three, my first round of the season. I got a nine. This past, oh. this past week on the par three, I got a two. Yeah, baby. Very it's nice. coming back. It's coming back. Next um, week it'll be a seven. But it was probably, <laughs> it was, it's a tough three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golf is a tough game. I know. It is a tough game, but I love it. Love, love it. And in fact, I love everything about this time of the year because summer's starting. We have all the graduations. Congratulations, graduates of 2018. We We have weddings, and of course, I'm always happy because it means we're coming to the end of the legislative session. So I have a great show planned for you today. We're going to talk about guns. This is really important because the gun grabbers are out in full force. Of course, we had another horrible, horrible school shooting in Texas yesterday. Ten people died. It was tragic. It is awful. We are already hearing again. Governor Dayton sent a letter to the legislative leaders saying that he wants a standalone school safety bill today. Today. Get busy. There's a rally going on over at the Capitol right now. There's probably 20 people there, maybe 30. Uh, the the usuals up there and you've got these high school kids that are saying you've put you pass some legislation now or we will vote you out and i'm like yeah you can't even vote yet kid and and it just reminds me again of the failure of our public schools so we will talk a little bit about guns because it's really really important before we do something that we stop and think what is actually going to save save lives we cannot trample on the rights of law-abiding citizens and i will repeat again uh, gun control is about control, not about safety, uh, and we'll talk about it uh, in a little bit. Uh, we're, we're also coming up on the end of the legislative session. Thank goodness. We'll recap the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just kidding. There isn't much to be proud of. They're over there gutting bills like crazy right now. Uh, but we did have some wins. Uh, we did have some losses. And, yeah, it's just ugly over there. Ugly. And, and well, I'll, I'll tell you all about it in the second hour of today's show. Plus, plus we're going to talk the local insanity. Oh, my gosh. Have I got a long list for you today? Some of the lowlights include Duluth, South St. Paul, and Minneapolis. Plus, I have a bonus section on transit. We're going to talk a little bit. This is so hilarious. You've got two giant lefty companies, Amazon and Starbucks, and they are furious that, that they are going to be taxed more to help cure the homeless problem in Seattle. And, I mean, talk about hilarious. Why aren't they happy to pay more you know so uh, the city of seattle wants to put a head tax on these companies and and i want people to remember this a it's not going to fix the homeless problem and b those companies don't pay the taxes you know what they do they jack their prices up so we we will pay more for the products the people ultimately pay for the cost of those taxes and that means that that tax will come out of the company's wages of future employees or bonuses or wage growth or uh 
uh, hiring additional employees, dividends for the shareholders. Uh, it, it's just crazy. Uh, and we had another city, uh, Shoreview, losers, um, that we talked about last week that have decided that they're going to raise the age to sell tobacco in their city to 21. This past week, Minneapolis is now one step closer to closer to raising the minimum age to buy tobacco products. It's so ridiculous. Either you're an adult at 18 or you aren't. And the, the idea that these uh, city councils are now becoming activists is just driving me absolutely crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, and you know what? I want to say uh, get well soon, Melania Trump. Uh, the first lady had, I don't know, some kidney procedure. And she was in the hospital for five days, which that sounds like a big deal to me to keep you in the hospital for five days. I don't really know what it was, but she's released from the hospital. She's back at the White House now. So get well soon, first lady, because I think she is so stunning. All right, Stan, did you watch the wedding? Did you watch the wedding? No, let's not talk about <laughs> it. I am so fed up with people that are enthralled oh with that. Oh, my gosh. And my mother right? is one of them. I just, oh. you know. And, right. I, and it seems to be the liberals or oh. the people that are into, you know, the Hollywood stuff. Oh, and yeah. And it's funny how, yeah. you know, they're okay with them being all extravagant <laughs> with their uh, money and the king and queen you know, yeah, it, it is kind and of the sanctity but, of marriage. <laughs> well, no, but they, it's okay for the king and queen to rule by their money, but yeah. not for uh, people in America to do that. Yeah. Well, I got up and I did not get up early to watch anything, but I really did want to see her dress. It was beautiful. She was beautiful. Uh, the service was beautiful. I did not watch every minute of it. And then when I was tired of watching it, which was pretty soon, good luck trying to find anything else because it was on every channel. It was all over social media. It was impossible to uh, to miss. But uh, oh, and and you know what, Stan? Why well, I want to give everyone an update because we have not ha- had our ruling from the United States Supreme Court yet. Remember, we're waiting on our ruling. Um, Minnesota Voters Alliance v. Mansky. We had our oral argument back in February. Andy was going to come on today and tell us about the newest case they're working on, which is amazing. And we thought they were going to have a hearing next Friday, and we wanted people to come and and listen to the arguments. Um, but instead, the judge asked for a whole bunch of more material and decided uh, that they wanted to postpone the hearing a month so that all the lawyers could get all the material put together. So Andy Selick will come on in a month and tell us about uh, about that. And of course, uh, he'll come on sooner if we get the ruling from our oral argument case. But... Um, Minnesota's own Justice David Strauss was officially sworn in and seated on the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals yesterday, and he was sworn in by Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, right here in Minnesota. So that would have been really cool. I would have, I would have liked to do that. All right. Let's talk about guns. Uh, we had another horrible school shooting. Ten people were killed in Santa Fe, Texas. And I, I'm going to repeat this again. It is so hard to listen to the stupid that happens after every single one of these school shootings. And I will tell you again that gun proposals are about control. Uh, and, and we really, really have to fight hard 
to to make sure that law-abiding citizens uh, are not going to be impacted by some of the legislation that they want rammed down our throats. A lot of the suggestions that are put out there uh, will not, would not, will not stop the shootings. And I will repeat again when I tell you that the left wants to take your guns. The left wants to take your guns. So heads up, people, and this is a and this is this is a really important thing that we have to keep in mind on the up and coming uh, election season to make sure that we are we are voting in people who are looking out for us, not demanding government take action against law abiding citizens. So we have some people now who are just walking walking around yelling from our TV, yelling from our radio, and they're saying the way to solve the problem of one bad guy with a gun who's willing to break the law and murder people is to disarm all good people with guns who are willing to follow the law, who are willing to and capable of defending themselves. This is illogical. It will not eliminate gun gun crime. And if all the guns were taken from all the good people, guess what? The bad people are still going to use guns to murder the good people. And if common sense is any part of this, they they will make sure more good people have the guns. And and that's not to say that there can't be something done. Andrew Como yesterday came out and he said something has to be done about school shootings, has to be done about school shootings. Now, it doesn't matter that almost every single one of the gun control proposals seem irrelevant to the mass murders at any of these schools. Uh, they, they just don't apply at all. Andrew Cuomo, New York's governor, instantly knew that something had to be done after the Santa Fe, Texas shooting. And he tweeted to Donald Trump yesterday afternoon and then elaborated in an open letter to the president and Congress. He said, Columbine, Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook, Las Vegas, Orlando, Parkland, and now Santa Fe. When is enough enough? How many more innocent people have to die before you act? You were elected to lead. Do something. Your first responsibility is to the people of the country, not the NRA. Do something. My heart breaks for the families who have to give, who have to grieve from this needless violence. Do something. Okay. So I'm, I'm open. I'm ready for this. Let's talk about what Andrew Como wants to do. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. Oh, okay, this is the back. new iHeartRadio thing, yep, right? Where yep. they pick they group songs by what was popular during your year at graduation. Yeah, seventy five was a <laughs> yeah, bad company. It goes yep. along with the name of the song. Mm-hmm. All right, we're talking guns, folks. <laughs> we're talking guns, and I get so frustrated when I hear so many people. And okay, let me rephrase that: so many Democrats who are out there screaming that something has to be done about school shootings. Something has to be done now. A vague demand over and over and over again. Preferably something that's going to make the NRA really mad because that's their that's their target and what what drives me 
so crazy. If anybody watched the news last night, I watched Channel 4 last night, and I try to watch all the stations just to see, well, you know, know your enemy. What's going on? What are they pushing? What's their what's their take on the on the issue in channel 4 you we all know what channel 4's take on the issue is it's definitely leaning to the left uh they had a couple of students that they were interviewing who were at a rally over at the capitol yesterday maybe i don't know 30 of them 25 of them and they had George Esperanza, who we've talked about before on the show, a student at Henry Sibley High School, say, and I quote, we are all terrified. We demand action. If the legislators in that building right now won't meet our demands, then we'll come in November. Then come November, we'll find people who will. Now, in this case, George will be old enough to vote in no in November. But it's like, what a failure our school districts are if, if they haven't educated George on the Second Amendment and on how he could protect himself and help others stay safe too. Channel 4 had this poor girl who was crying, demanding government come to the rescue. Government come to, and government has to do more. It's heartbreaking to watch these children who say they're terrified to go to school. And hello, Education Minnesota. Hello, liberals. Hello, Democrats. What are you doing to keep our schools safe? Why does this keep happening? We are going to have to harden up those targets for sure, by the way. Uh, Friday and today, Governor Dayton said that lawmakers should send him a bill funding school safety measures that he can sign immediately. And he also urged students and parents to keep fighting for common sense safety gun measures. The measures, the gun control measures that the left is throwing out there for consideration are not common sense. And like so many so-called solutions from the left, they target the law-abiding citizen and will do nothing to stop what uh, to stop any of these tragic shootings that we're seeing. Uh, there was one bill, and this is very surprising. I want people to look at this bill. Representative Matt Grossel's bill to prevent local governments from disarming police officers in good standing passed unanimously. 126 to nothing. Think about that. So you've got some people over at the legislature who said, yeah, by the way, local governments don't think about disarming your police officers. Let's take, hey, if you want to weigh in, uh, we're not going to be on this topic. We're not going to be on any topic long today because I have so much to cover. 651-989-5855-651-989-5855. Rob, you're up first. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Sue, long time no talk. Thanks for grabbing my call. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I here's my thing. I heard some reporters in town here talk about how, you know, we need to figure out gun control. We need to stop guns because they're getting in you know, the wrong people's hands. Well, the funny part is I grew up in the 70s and 80s. The guns were in a cabinet in the living room. I know. We shoot each other. <laughs> so we didn't have gun locks. You couldn't go to the, to, the, to the hardware store and buy a gun safe, which you can do today. Again, I'm in your own band. Gun is not the problem. Right. What do we do with it? So then you turn around and say, okay, the schools are, you know, they, they want to have our tough cover time, big thing, lock it in. So why did Minneapolis take one cop out of every high school last year, or year before last? They cut the force in half. And then this year, a mandate came out saying they'd like them in soft attire because they look too much like a military person. Yeah, they're too scary. You, your cheek, you need it too. Right, right. Just, you know, they're there to provide security or they're not. Right. And, you know, what is the cop supposed to do? 
run into a guy with, who has a re- weapon with a handgun and a, t- and a polo shirt and daughters? And think about this, Rob. This, this is just, I understand where some of them are concerned about the prison to school to prison pipeline and all that kind of stuff. But you've got kids in the schools who are afraid of cops. And you've got the schools who say, yeah, if we want to get rid of the cops because we don't want the children afraid. um, Oh, yeah, we have to dress them down because, God forbid, they're in their cop uniform. You know, oh, how scary. Who is teaching these kids to be afraid of cops? Who is teaching these kids to be afraid of cops in the schools? And I understand there's a, a legitimate concern with uh, when you have a cop in the school, there's a legitimate concern that all of a sudden now these kids are introduced to, into the judicial system at an earlier age. But that comes with education. And if you have a cop that's there in your school to help you, you shouldn't be afraid of that cop. You shouldn't be afraid of that cop's gun. Like you, I grew up, I grew up in, in the 70s and 80s, too. There were guns everywhere. My dad took me shooting in our backyard in Woodlake Nature Center. You know, it's, yeah. The police officers had to carry their sidearms 24-7. And I grew up, and live in the city, if you live in the, work for the city. Right. So I just kind of thought everybody's dad carried a gun, not knowing that they were police officers. You went to a t-ball game and you could see half a dozen guns on hips and legs, right? And right. Places, but you know, and, and the second thing, the other reason in, in this memo they wanted to, to to take off their hardness because it just it felt like what you, you said we're introducing police. How do we not introduce them if they don't react to them when they're young? Right. If they see that these guys aren't you know stormtroopers, that they are human beings, it, it's like for firemen. When I grew up, where I grew up, fire stations were open, the doors were open. I fire know. Outside barbecuing. You knew that that was a safe place. We went there almost like a park. They give us a hot dog, a hamburger. We play in the fire truck. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, they're all closed. Right. There's no doors open. You don't see the firemen outside. You don't see people outside. How are kids going to learn that those are safe people, good people, and start to build a rapport relationship with them if we take everybody away from them and say, those are bad people? I know. I know. I don't know what the Society and it. culture has changed a lot, Rob. A lot. It, it, it has. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is to make. Well, the other question, too, is I get this, this kid yesterday was a student. We can't stop it. But I keep hearing about how the guys enter through doors. My high school was locked. You couldn't get through, even my grade school, you couldn't get through the front door until somebody buzzed you in after classes and sessions. My schools were wide open. And I'll tell you another thing, Rob. When my daughter, which this was 15 years ago, when my daughter was in middle school, some kid threatened to shoot up the school. And so they they were debating if they were going to call off. This happened on a Friday, and they were debating over the weekend if they should call off school on Monday. They decided not to, but they were going to have extra police officers. This was in New Brighton. So they were going to have extra police officers there. So my daughter says, oh, Mom, I'm scared. I don't want to go to school. I say, oh, sweetheart, you're going to school. Today is going to be the safest day ever for you to go to school. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to school with you. And when we get to school, I'm going to look around. I'm going to check things out. If I think they're doing a good job, you'll be you'll be safe as safe can be in school. If I think they're not doing a good job, you can be sure I'll raise holy hell. I will make sure things are right. So we pull up to Highview Middle School, and there's all these children lined up like sitting ducks, I might add, um, lined up in front of the school, and they're searching all the backpacks. And I'm like, who's the genius that, that set lined these kids? 
heads up so they can be sitting ducks for this nutcase to shoot them all. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, since then, a lot of things have changed and they handle things in a much different manner. And, and obviously, every year it seems to change. And that was before Columbine, I think, too. No, it had to be after Columbine because Columbine was 20 years ago. So, yeah. So, I mean... Things have changed. Something, 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 something different. I mean, is it, you know, I, I hate to broaden everything, but, you know, is it, is it the fact that we're more exposed to violence? Is it the fact that we see more things? Is it exposed that, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have instantaneous everything going across the world. You know, a video game to me was playing Pong. You know, we, right. <laughs> you couldn't drive a car and slap people and pick up a hooker and slam her in front of a car. That wasn't a game. That was real life. Yeah. You didn't do those things. You knew the right and wrong. <laughs> I don't know if though, again, I don't know if that's the answer. I hate to kind of jump to that. Yeah, I, I, I don't. There is no one answer, Rob. There is no, no one answer. Taking the gun and trying to take more police in a softer stand is not going to work. No, nope. more in it. We might have to wrap our arms around the police and monitor at the police to learn, you know, that these are real people that have real emotions and real things. And, and, and I think there's another step. We can't expect them to that they're going to react a certain way when something happens. You know, to think that they're going to be the first guy that's going to take a shot and hit a, a perpetrator or, or something happening, you know, most of these cops never draw their gun. They right. never shoot at a live target that's coming back. Paper's easy. A video game is easy. It's a whole different thing when there's people around you and your heart's beating and things are happening. So I think we have to give them also a little bit of uh, flack when the situation happens and how they deal with it as long as they've dealt with it. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate appreciate your phone call. Um, I don't think there is any one solution. I don't think the ideas that the Democrats are putting forward will do anything to fix this. I think a lot of the solutions can be fixed in the school buildings themselves. I think there's something just terribly wrong because once again, just like Columbine, which was what twenty years ago, this Santa Fe shooter used a shotgun and a thirty-eight caliber revolver. And again, left people he liked alive so that they could tell his story. But this kid got a hold of his his dad's gun. Uh, so again, none of the laws that the Democrats are proposing that we pass will do anything to solve these issues. And again, I have to ask myself one more time, what are these, where are these parents? Where are these parents? This kid was building pipe bombs in his bedroom, in his car. Are these parents not paying attention to that? He was posting stuff on Facebook, born to kill. He had a journal in his room. Now, I didn't spy on every move my kids made. But let me tell you, if they were building a pipe bomb in their bedroom, I would have known about it. For sure, I would have known about it. WCCO was doing us no favors. They did a reality check. Uh, they said gun safety advocates were pressing Minnesota lawmakers for new restrictions on firearms after the Parkland, Florida school massacre. Um, and they said... And, and, uh, the president of the Minnesota Public Health Associates asked the question, why is it that more Minnesotans are dying to gun violence and opioid use? No, why are more Minnesotans dying due to gun violence than opioid use and car crashes? She asked, why don't we conduct research on gun violence like we do for traffic, 
fatalities. So WCCO did their fact check on this, uh, and they and and they went to the Minnesota Department of Health, which compiles all the data on mortality rates. In other words, they keep a list of how people die. And the most recent data showed forty three thousand fifty people died in Minnesota in twenty sixteen. The leading cause of death are cancer heart disease, and accidental injury. But gun violence now plays a significant role. The state health department reports 432 people in Minnesota died from guns in 2016, while 395 people died from opioids and 392 people died from car crashes. WCCO went on and said, Of the 432 gun deaths in Minnesota, listen to this, of the 432 gun deaths in Minnesota in 2016, 332 were suicides. 332 were suicides. That means 77 of the the percent of the Minnesota gun deaths were from people who killed themselves, not someone else else that is just crucial you've also got problems with people like eric paulson eric paulson is coming out uh he was on channel nine last week talking about bipartisan gun violence legislation what eric paulson really means is gun control and what eric paulson doesn't realize is the dfl is not going to vote for him anyway they're just absolutely not and and governor or not governor uh Congressman Eric Paulson wants to discuss that that legislation and the legislation that he's talking about are red flag laws. And why are we opposed to those? Because we respect due process. We don't want government to come in and say, yep, you're a danger to yourself or to others. We are going to take your gun away. Five states already have laws like that on the books. And we yeah, we we can't do that. Um, I also, I meant to put it up today. I didn't put it up today. Uh, John Lott has a fabulous, fabulous piece on before we try to do something, we need to stop and think what is the most sensible thing that we should do? What is actually going to save lives and make us safer? And now you're seeing a bunch of Democrats uh, start calling. They want to pay higher taxes so that they can hand out uh, free gun safes and free trigger guards Um People, that's your responsibility as your guns, and it's not the role of government to hand out gun safes and trigger locks. We've already seen them do it, but shame on you, parents, uh, who aren't keeping your guns safe and secure. And I just want you to think of uh, the next time you have your um, gun stored in the safe that you just tell that home invader, yeah, you just wait a minute while I unlock my gun safe while they... Uh, assault or rape or kill your children. So on that cheery note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the politicians. We've had some updates, uh, including some endorsements, some exciting stuff happening in the 2020 election. Trump's targeting uh, Minnesota. Yay! I hope Trump does come to Minnesota. Uh, we got some updates on Jeff Johnson, updates on Tim Pawlenty, updates on Tim Waltz. Uh, Jason Lewis is holding a town hall today, three of them, I think. Um, and he was actually threatened 
his office reported a concerning call. They reported it to the Capitol Police. The Capitol Police said they considered it a direct threat. So crazy, huh? And I think good for Jason Lewis. He's actually saying you have to live in the district to get into the town hall meeting, which is the way it should be. So stay tuned. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. What year is this? Uh, this was 74. Oh. It, yeah. And it, it explains a lot. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. We had some big news in politics this week. According to Axios, Trump's 2020 campaign manager said they are targeting two other blue states for victory in the next election, Minnesota and Colorado, as well as Michigan and New Mexico, which makes me really excited because I'd love to have Trump uh, come here. I'm starting to see that... The changes proposed in the legislative session for the Met Council to use uh, local politicians to sit on the Met Council instead of having the governor appoint them, uh, which I just think, yeah, it's one way to make them a little more accountable, but I think it's a really stupid idea. I'd rather rather have the Met Council eliminated. Uh, today, the Hennepin County DFL is holding its convention for endorsement. They're endorsing Hennepin County attorney. They're endorsing county commissioners. Uh, they're endorsing all kinds of seats that are supposed to be nonpartisan. So if you look at the way the Democrats are ranking up win after win after win in city council races and mayor's races and county commissioner's races and, and, um, um, a, County attorneys races. I mean, Mike Freeman got his endorsement, I think. Um, John Choi got his endorsement. Are they looking out for the DFL or are they looking out for us? And I think we know the answer to that one. Big news last week, Jeff Johnson on Monday picked Donna Bergstrom to be his running mate. I can't wait to meet this chick. She sounds awesome. She's a retired Marine Corps intelligence office uh, guardian ad litem who lives in Duluth, and she's going to be the running mate. She's a member of the of the Red Lake Nation. She's also currently getting her teacher's license, and what do I love most of all? She's never been in elected office. So I think that's really, really exciting. Uh, Tim Pawlenty, surprising nobody, uh, said he's going to, he's not going to the convention He's going to ignore the endorsing convention and he's just going right to the primary. But don't worry, you delegate delegates. He still really appreciates you. What a joke. Tim must forgot his brutal endorsing convention the first time he ran for governor against Brian Sullivan. Oh, my gosh. It took like 12 or 14 hours. Uh, and Tim ultimately won. I was a Brian Sullivan fan. Uh, in fact, well, and then I ran against him in 2006. So like uh, Jeff Johnson said, Tim claims to be the A-team and the only strong, strong Republican in the race. What a joke. Uh, but a strong candidate would, we, would be able to win the support of the most active Republicans in Minnesota. I agree with you, Jeff Johnson. I agree with you. 
uh, Tim Waltz came out, or I've, I don't know which organization it was. One of the Republican organizations was pushing this. It was a video of Tim Waltz back in November, uh, where 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 Tim Waltz, Democrat governor candidate, was talking very insultingly about rural Minnesota and and Waltz has been doing everything possible to try to move to the left so that he can be the guy who's endorsed. Uh, he picked a far left liberal activist as his running mate. He flip flopped on Obamacare. He flip flopped on guns. He changed his position on refugee immigration. Um, <clears throat> but most importantly, he came out and Waltz was revealing his true colors when he attacked rural Minnesota as mostly rocks and cows. Is that what you want your governor's candidate? Waltz told the audience in Minneapolis, you see those maps, red and blue, and there's all that red across there. The Democrats go into to depression over it. It's mostly rocks and cows are in that red area. So I think, oh, and by the way, we were talking about Jason Lewis a little bit ago. Uh, major Democrat donors in New York have formed a new uh, political organization and raised roughly $10 million to be injected into two dozen key House battleground races. One of those is Angie Craig here in Minnesota uh, running against... Um, running against Jason Lewis. And Angie Craig loves to talk about the dark money, but weird, she's not going to talk at all about these major Democrat donors in New York who have raised millions of dollars to help her win that election. I'll tell you, folks, I stopped voting Democrat about 15 years ago. They make my life harder. They're wrong on the role of government. They're wrong on taxes. They're wrong on spending. They're wrong on health care. They're wrong on education. They're wrong on labor. They're wrong on amnesty. They're wrong on welfare. They're wrong on voter ID. They're wrong on identity politics. You have uh, Obama called us, what, bitter clingers? Hillary called us deplorables. Trump calls us Americans. And that's what it comes down to, I think, for me, the respect and admiration uh, the Donald Trump's done a lot of really good things that he hasn't got credit for, including putting a lot of women in senior positions. Another thing that you don't hear the left talk about at all, uh, Gina Haspel uh, was confirmed as the next CIA director. She makes hist- history, and you heard crickets from the left. There are women in senior positions in the Trump administration, whether it's Nikki Haley or Elaine Chow or Betsy DeVos or um, Sarah Huckabee or uh, Kellyanne Conway. These people, people, um, uh, Kirsten Nielsen. Um, there's so many women there. And then, and, and another thing, by now, um, Michelle Obama had been on the covers of some 30 women's magazines. Melina, Melania Trump has been on one. So ridiculous. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the crazy nonsense in local politics. Uh, I got a really long list. I don't even know if I'll get them all done today. Stay tuned. Lots more coming. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and Oh, oh, man. Is that a tear in your eye? No. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> I vaguely remember the 70s. <laughs> Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Uh, hat tip to John Gilmore, uh, Tom Freeman, or no, Mike Freeman, the Hennepin County attorney, lost the endorsement on the first ballot. Uh, they picked Mark Haas, and he, he's even further to the left uh, than Mike Freeman. But I have to say, I think Mike Freeman took a lot of uh, grief from the way he handled uh, the a couple of the police shootings that we had in Hennepin County. And yeah, he he didn't rise to the occasion like so many of us thought he would. But the whole point being is when the Democrats are just pushing our local politicians, the ones who are supposed to be nonpartisans, the ones who are supposed to be looking out for all the people in their cities or in their counties, or uh, whether you're talking about the attorney, John Choi, I was furious that he got the Democrat endorsement last weekend or was it the week before? Well, whatever. Um, and it just pushes these candidates further and further and further to the left. And and you know what? There's a whole lot of people. Mark Dayton is out there writing letter after letter after letter, 253 pages worth of letters to the representatives telling them what he demands. Well, I got news for you, Mark Dayton. I got news for you. What about the rest of the state? What about the rest of the people in the state of Minnesota who, you know, gave the majorities to the Republicans in the Senate and in the House? It just makes me so mad. Governor Dayton's forgot about them. So have the Democrats and obviously the Republicans, because you've got majorities in the Senate and in the House, Republican majorities, and they cave on everything. Are you kidding me? Who's standing up for us? It just it just it drives me crazy. And you got a bunch of activists in the local units of government as well. And I don't care whether you're talking the city councils. Or the county commissioners, uh, or mayors, or whatever, whatever. This, uh, at the end of April, the Seattle City Council released legislation that would force companies with revenues of over $20 million in the city to pay 26 cents for each hour worked by a Seattle based employee, or roughly $540 per head. This head tax was to apply over 2019 and 20. It was going to generate $86 million a year for social programming before turning into a 0.7% payroll tax. The annual proceeds of the tax were originally calculated at $75 million a year. Well, guess what? When Amazon and Starbucks, two giant Seattle businesses, heard about this head tax, they were mad. So... Uh, last Monday, the city council agreed that they will pass a far less onerous head tax uh, because Amazon threatened to suspend construction on a new office tower in a not-so-subtle threat over providing further employment in Seattle. There's your warning, people. That's what you're looking at if you keep your businesses in Minneapolis or St. Paul, or Duluth for that matter. Uh, Amazon said in a statement, we're disappointed by today's city council decision to introduce a tax on jobs. While we have resumed construction for their building, we remain apprehensive about 
about the future created by a council's hostile approach and rhetoric towards larger businesses, which forces us to question our growth here. So the big organizations, Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing. uh, Yeah. Heads up, people. Why would you want to stay there? The mayor, Jenny Durkin, threatened to veto the tax because she was concerned about the impact on employment. She's 100 percent right. In the end, the version passed unanimously that large employees will pay 14 cents per head, 200 or 14 cents per head per hour, $275 a head per year. The tax will generate $47 million a year and will run for five years. They're going to use the money to address their homelessness crisis. Uh, Three-fifths of the money will go to building new affordable housing. The rest will fund emergency services. I hope you realize how crazy this is. I hope you realize how crazy this is, that it's actually going to impact uh, how many jobs will they hire more people? Will they expand? Where will they expand? Will people get raises? How much will the cost of their goods and services have to increase to cover this head tax? And oh, when it doesn't solve the issue of homelessness in Seattle, uh, guess what's going to happen? It isn't just going to be the big companies who are going to see this head tax. It's going to be everybody, everybody who's going to pick up this head tax. And by the way, we have a homelessness problem here in Twin Cities, too. Just... uh a week ago, you had an article in, I think it was NPR, uh, the Twin Cities light rail now becomes uh, home for the homelessness. Home for the homeless. We saw this a little bit during the winter on those, on those really cold, cold nights where they said, Oh, just go ahead and ride the trains and buses. We're not, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to worry about it. Sometimes, um, they're, the people are old, they're young, they're every different, they're every different color. Sometimes there's one or two, sometimes there's hundreds of them riding the train. They said, uh, the, the police chief, John Harrington, said the problem's gotten worse since he started in St. Paul and, or in, uh, I'm sorry, he's the Metro Transit Police since he began, began, began his tenure in 2012 he said if you were a cop and you worked the system you recognized that you recognized it because there were ones or twos out there but now it's hundreds now at several different platforms it's becoming very noticeable and it's also become increasingly disruptive which is part of the reason that they uh cover up some of the uh, crime rates that you see ab- uh, uh, in and around, especially the light rail, um, and and you're going to see them having to do more things to try to address homelessness and to try to do something with affordable housing. Mayor Jacob Frey introduced a $50 million affordable housing plan, $50 million. Yep. You folks in Minneapolis, you're going to get to pay for that. That's more than four times what was budgeted for last year. The recommendations that the city do all kinds of things. Remember, he had an affordable task force put together. It was advocacy groups, nonprofit organizations, government partners, all the people who feed at the trough, all the people who have been working at the home on the homelessness problem for 10, 20, 30 years. And oh, by the way, still haven't fixed it. 
Um, their idea is to boost rental production, increasing rental subsidies. Uh, so, so yeah, they're going to hand out more money. Uh, they're going to build more affordable housing. I wonder where they're going to build it. I bet they're not going to build it around Lake Harriet and Lake Calhoun. Uh, nope, they sure aren't. Um, hand out more money to people who make less than 30% of the area median income, and they're going to provide more incentives. That means handing out your money uh, and, and other government benefits, whether it's tax increment financing, whether it's, you know, they have all kinds of things in their toolbox that they will apply for owners to build affordable housing. They're also going to use the NOAA program. This is dangerous, people. Naturally occurring affordable housing. Those are the ones where government, the NOAA people, get to come in and buy up pieces of property before they even hit the market. So government's going to buy up a whole bunch of property. That's a It's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Uh, Duluth City Council is also on my uh, list of low lights for an interfering city council. They softened their earned sick and safe time ordinance. It's still very, very difficult. Uh, it enables workers to accrue time off benefits and they can use it to handle personal illness, assist a close family member uh, or friend with a health issue. It's just ridiculous when you have cities interfering in the labor market, drives up the cost of good goods and services, makes hiring somebody even more expensive. And like Seattle learned the hard way, uh, they end up working less hours. So it hurts the very people that they promise to help. Um, Sacramento wanted to boost their rail ridership. They did it by they're going to pass a legis a piece of legislation that calls for banning drive-throughs and gas stations near transit. It's hard to fix stupid people. Hard to fix stupid. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about the end of the 90th legislative session. Some people are calling for a special session already. Are they nuts? Give me a break. Lots of big issues to talk about. Uh, lots of stuff going on there. Lots of deals being made behind closed doors. And then legislators will be expected to rubber stamp it. No, 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 hell no. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.